0: 008, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, Eric Goldstein, the breaking news, of course, in the last hour was the Justice Department announcing the indictment of, what, 14 Russian mm-hmm. intelligence officials yep. in connection with hacking campaign, which is, is well and good. I've read the indictment. It, it's it's fascinating. Um, the, the one thing nobody is saying, though, is n- these guys are all in Russia. They're never going to be brought to trial, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that that is uh, – in all the different coverage I, I've seen of this I was, over the last hour, I, I'm not sure anybody's making that point. And I, I – You know, you can take it for what it's worth, but just like the previous indictment naming a number of Russian officials, these people are all in Russia. And uh, unless uh, unless someone were to voluntarily come to the United States or go to a country where the United States has an extradition deal where they would be arrested and then brought back, as a practical matter, Nothing is going to happen based on – in the real world, nothing's going to happen on this indictment. Am I right? You are correct. Yeah. Okay. I mean, and again, I'm not I, – I, you know, it, it's it, it's interesting, and I think it shows that a grand jury has found probable cause to believe that there was this this Russian interference. That the frustrating thing is that it's it, it's – in some respects, this is an exercise in futility because, again, these are Russian intelligence officers and – the, the russian government is not going to be sending them to the united states to stand trial
1: well, maybe the president will ask putin on monday
0: oh yeah that'll be I, I, yeah yes <laughs> at, at their meeting hey uh, vladimir I was, I was just kind of wondering these these people that we indicted how about you turn them over to me and let's put them on air force <laughs> 1 and fly them back i i just I, again for I, I just point this out so I, it's and it it has nothing to do with the merits of the underlying case but for all the attention that these indictments are getting as the previous indictment got it it's an exercise in futility for most of the individuals. Now, um, the, the previous indictment also named a couple of Russian corporations, and that, that might be a little bit different because theoretically you might at least be able to do a, a forfeiture action or something like that if they've got a presence in the U.S. But as far as individuals, eh, it's just not going to happen. So, um, so for people who wonder, is there another side of the story? And I'm not suggesting that there is. You're probably never going to hear it because people are, um, People are just not going to um, are not going to stand trial. That's just the practical effect of this. All right, we do not go gently into the good weekend on this program. Lots of stuff coming up. Let us start with um, an announcement that came out today. Now, I want to back into this topic. I am an unabashed fan of Summerfest. I love Summerfest. I have been going to Summerfests almost since there was a Summerfest. I have been blown away by the improvements that they have made to the grounds over the last several years. I mean, it's just every year when I go down there and I wander around. I I know I say this on the radio, but I'm not I'm not kidding. I mean, I remember back to the 70s when the main stage used to be on the north end of the grounds and it used to be benches and gravel. And I, I look at what they've done this year was, I think, really incredible. Um Really incredible as far as what they did on the north end of the grounds. It's just, you know, you want to talk about just a great experience and the infrastructure just absolutely tremendous. I am a huge fan of that. I think Summerfest is incredibly well managed, whether it's Don Smiley or Bob Babish or the, the top level people that work with him. I, I think it's just absolutely tremendous. So that's my lead into this topic. And I bring this up as a guy who is a fan of Summerfest. The numbers are out. Summerfest concluded last Sunday. All right. Now, during the 11 day run of the festival, you had a couple days where there there was, where it was hot. There's no question about it. A couple days where it was hot, and you had a couple days where they, they weren't all day washouts, but you did have rain. And as I, the point I always make when it comes to outdoor festivals around here, They really, they are always somewhat weather dependent because you can have the greatest lineup and the greatest plans. And if you get a long stretch of cold weather or really hot weather, or you get lots and lots of rainy days, it impacts your attendance. So they had a couple days of hot weather. You had a couple days of rain, but it wasn't an all day washout. In any event the the Summerfest numbers are, and one more thing before we get to the numbers themselves, I think over the years... Actually in the pre Don Smiley years, back when Bo Black was running the festival, and I, I'm a huge fan of Bo Black, I think the I think Summerfest was too obsessed with attendance numbers because you know they'd always say, Oh, we got a million people into the grounds. Well, all right, if 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 the idea is simply to pack the grounds, that's kind of counterproductive. What you want to do is you want to have a good overall experience. And the truth is I, the grounds, I, in many cases, can't support – you put 100,000 people down there, and they can't support them. And and so if the idea was, gee, just, we, we want to just go out and we want to try to bring a bunch of 15-year-olds in who are going to run around, cause problems, and try to buy beer when they're underage, that, that doesn't enhance the experience. So you want to find that right mix – Between, you know, an appropriate critical mass, you you need enough people for people to have fun, vendors to make money and all that stuff without deciding, hey, we're just going to try to pack the grounds for the sake of packing the grounds. And I think, you know, over the last number of years, Summerfest has embraced that philosophy and done a really, really good job. So the numbers are out. Um, this year, and again, understanding there were a couple of days that were really hot and you had a couple of days where it rained some of the days. The numbers were out. 2018, their number is 700, let me pull it up here to be sure, 766,000 people. 766, 192. All right. So the question is, how does that compare? And the answer is that's the lowest number. For a long, long time. Let's go back. So the number this year was 766. Last year, 50th anniversary, 831,000. 2016, 804,000. 2015, 772,000. Now that, that 2015 number is going to be the second lowest in a long time. And if you remember in 2015, that was the year where, um, union members at the bus company thought it was a good idea to go out on strike, and so they they staged a strike for three days during Summerfest, which impacted attendance. But 2015 was 772,000. 2014 was 851,000. 2013 was 840,000. 2012 was 805,000. 2012 was the year where we had, like, day after day after day of really hot weather. Um 2011, 878,000, 2010, 856,000, 2009, 835,000, 2008, 831,000, 2007, 892,000. I I didn't go back year by year after that, but I'm not sure. I mean, I think you might have to go back to the 80s or the early 90s to have less than 800,000. Not positive of that, but this is the lowest number, I think, in a long, long time. Alright, so the grounds are great. The weather, little bit challenging for a couple days, but I don't know that I think it was extreme. You always get warm weather and you always get some rains, but you did have a couple days like that. They drew 772,000, which was, um, about 55,000 less than last year. Well, last year was the 50th anniversary, so I, so I understand that. Um, but, It is unusual for Summerfest to draw below 800,000, and and they did. So, my question is, what do you think happened? 414 799 1620. Is this a one year aberration? Does this, is is it all weather related? Could people somehow, for some reason, be getting tired of Summerfest? Does it have something to do with the lineup? What do you think is going on? And again, you don't want to read too much into any sort of one year thing. It doesn't necessarily, it, it doesn't mean it's a trend. You have numbers that go up and numbers that go down. Last year it was 831,000. So, but, but it is below 800,000 and that does not happen very often. What do you think is going on? I have a theory. I will share it with you. 414, but we'll discuss. four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. If you're on the line, please hold on. We'll get to you. It's uh, 1217. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 1220. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, Summerfest attendance numbers are out. 766,000 people, which is a large number of people. Don't, don't get me wrong. Um, I thought the grounds were immaculate. I was down there. Four or five days had a great time. I know a lot of people went down there, had a lot of fun. 766,000 is a lot of folks. It's the lowest number, though, in a long, long time. A couple years ago, they drew 772,000. That was 2015 when there was the transit strike. But other than that, you got to go back a long time to find them drawing less than 800,000. Was this an aberration? Was it weather-related? Something else. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Dave in Caledonia. Dave, you're on WTMJ.
2: Hey Jeff, nice to talk to you. Jeff. I did. I got three valid reasons one. The the number one reason, at least for me specifically, is the pricing is ridiculously for, for parking and just to get in there. They didn't have as many deals as they had in the past to get in there on the discount days. But like Steve Ferry, they always have the five or eight dollar tickets and you can park on the street or park at someone's yard for five bucks. At at Summerfest you're paying forty, fifty bucks just to get in there. If I just took me and my son, for example.
0: Well, but at the same time, there are, I mean, there are opportunities where you can get in for free, you know, bring the three items of food, you know, get in free between, you know, noon and five or whatever. I mean, if you want to go at seven o'clock sure. on a Friday night, yeah, you're you're going to pay full boat. But I mean, there are promotional opportunities.
2: Sure. But like you said, Jeff, in the daytime, if it's hot or a lot of us work, like I work till right. like four or five o'clock, I, I, I am going to go at night with my child, for example. So those offers are only in the in the early day where it's state fair. You, I can buy discount tickets now and I can use them anytime to go to the state fair, for example. Right. Um, another thing I, I talked to a producer was um, a couple of things, the, the brewers, the brewers are having a great year and they had, they had a really big home stand during the same time that the uh, summer was going on. Right. And uh, I think, I think that with, the, with their tenants being up, I think that also uh, yep. put a dent in the disposal income that people had out there.
0: Could be, could be. Um, I think, well those are, I mean, I, you know, those, I, the, the cost issue. I don't know because they're, they're, they have a number of different promotions, and maybe I, I mean, I, I just see them because I'm down there all the time. And you know, you, you have you have your kids' day, you have your senior citizens' day, you have a number of other opportunities, like bring the three food items or whatever, or get in for free. There, there's plenty of chances for discount tickets. Let me see what they they say is that this year. Uh, This year, they keep track of the people who came in on discounts. And this year, they say it was about the same as last year. Um, Let's see that it was roughly, I think the numbers are roughly about 20% of the people got in through the discounted programs or something. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Debbie in Menominee Falls. Debbie, you're on WTMJ. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Hi, Debbie.
1: I'm basically talking for my daughter because she went to Summerfest this year as she has since, I think, 2012. But um, she said this year it was way overloaded with acts and things like that for the under 16 crowd.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: She's in her 20s and said there was basically nothing. She saw like maybe five or six, maybe a half dozen um, things that were. Geared geared towards right. adults. It was all the teen stuff. And that kind of turned her off. And, I mean, she's one that has bought, up until a couple of years ago, she's bought the 11-day pass. This right. year she went twice because there was nothing for her
0: that interests her. Well, it's interesting that you should say that, Debbie, because one wanna... of... One of the criticisms that Summerfest has had over the years is that for at least the main stage and some of the side stages over the years, the criticism has been they book too many, quote unquote, boomeracks. Now, your daughter is not talking about boomeracks, but, you know, I mean, I'm a baby boomer. You probably are, too. I am, too. Yeah. Right, OK. So it's all oh, that it's too much of the, these boomeracks, you know, and you know, too much of Tom Petty. I understand Tom Petty passed away, but, you know, yeah. those type of things. Well. I mean, this year, they really got away from that. I mean, there, there were a lot of stuff that was designed to appeal to the millennials and maybe to, to people that were younger. And I think that hurt them. I, I mean, I, they were getting all, oh, we, we've got all this, like, kind of hip and trendy stuff and we're going after some of these audiences. I, I think, I think, and I'm not saying that they didn't have acts that would appeal to people who were a little bit older, but, I think that had an effect. I think there's a lot of boomers who kind of looked at that and said, well, okay, you got James Taylor and Bonnie Raitt and, and maybe a couple other acts, but there's not that much stuff to get us going down there. And, and I think that hurt them.
1: That's true. And when I'd see it on the news, all I would see was people talking to the 13 and 14-year-olds.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, they clearly this year, I, I think, made a pivot. Now, I, I don't know if it was intentional based on who was out there or whether this was kind of a conscious effort that this is going to be one of the years where we really try to to get younger. And I, I think that that did have an effect. I was – I was um, at a 4th of July party and I was talking to some people who are regular Summerfest goers Mm -hmm. and they were saying, at least as far as the the lineups, this is a boomer crowd. Admittedly, they said there just wasn't as much stuff there that they wanted to see. And it did appear to me that they made a decision to go after the younger crowds. And I think that, together with some other factors, but I think that was one of the things that was reflected in the attendance things.
1: I agree. They're a group of normally like Eight to twelve people right that always went together this year one one day there were two and one day there were four
0: yeah no thanks call I mean i I just and again I, I it's it's difficult to book this, and I mean I have the greatest respect for Bob Babish, who does the booking, and so I mean sometimes it just depends on who's available, but this was a this year clearly there was a pivot from boomeracks to um, acts tied to the millennials or maybe even younger generations and and maybe they overdid it and i understand the music critics applaud this oh it's kind of hip and trendy but all right it, it could be hip and trendy but maybe people aren't going to go as much let's talk to dave in waukesha dave you're on wtmj hey jeff how you doing hi dave what do you think
3: um i, I kind of echo that that same sentiment as i think was well, mm-hmm. first of all, it all comes down to the bottom line. How much does it make? Who cares how many people?
0: Right, right. And we don't that's know the really. vendor numbers. Yeah, but, exactly. but at I mean, the same time, if you're, I mean, I don't know it, but the reality is if you're, if you're drawing 60 or 70 or 80,000 people less than you've been drawing historically, that tells me the numbers, those numbers have to be down too, I would yeah. think.
3: Uh, well, yes and yes and no. It depends what your crowd is. I mean, right. those with disposable income and those without, you know, right. I mean, bottom line. But, you know, the thing is, is like I told you know your producer, um, I mean, I, I think they tried to diversify the, the and down, I guess downgrade or I don't say downgrade, but you know lower the uh, age group. Yeah. Uh,
0: no, I think they clearly went attacks. for younger t- a younger yeah. demographic. I think that's I clearly mean, fair.
3: I mean, honestly, you know, you get the four days of Country Thunder, and they'll draw half as much as, if not three quarters as much as that, just for over four days. You know, with all high end country acts, you know, and right. that type of thing. So, I mean. I think their attempt at trying to just please everybody, I, I, I'm not really sure if that's the right recipe, to be perfectly blunt. You right. know? I, mean, I mean, I haven't been down in a while because, you know, I, I agree with, with you and what I think you had mentioned earlier, too, I'm not interested in going down they're trying to draw a million. I don't really
4: no, care. No, no, you're right. You're right.
0: Yeah, I'd be right. Who, who, who wants when you got to stand in line for twenty minutes yeah, to get a I beer, mean, and you got to stand in line for twenty yeah, minutes to use I the mean, bathrooms? Nobody wants that. And no, and, and and it's not like that that much anymore. I mean, I think they've scaled back on that and done a good job.
3: And you don't want amateur night either, I mean, right? It's not one of these things where you want all these you know young kids trying you know drinking beer and puking all over the place and stuff like that. It's <laughs> yeah. kind of like you know, it's just like
5: just right.
3: give me a good music fest, and yeah, you don't. Yeah. Have, it doesn't have to be all boomers but it doesn't have to be like 14 year olds who have what 50 cents to spend well that's
0: the right that's the issue Now thanks to, or right and again and they they had some uh i i know my, my niece went to the Imagine Dragon show had a lot of fun there my stepdaughter went to a Journey and Death Leopard and really loved that uh i guess I, I think summerfest i give them credit they're very aggressive in trying to figure out what goes right and what goes wrong i i don't necessarily think this is a trend but it is, it is a number that I think should cause people to look at it down there. And I don't think you can write it off completely and totally due to weather. 1229, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1236, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's game two for the Brewers and the Pirates. As all-star Jesus Aguiar looks to extend his lead as the crew's home run leader, Jeff and Lane are on the call. Our Brewers game day coverage starts this evening at 530, sponsored by Catholic Financial Life. And again, I'm a huge fan of Summerfest, and I don't want to... I don't think you want to read too much into to this drop, but but it's something that you have to pay attention to. I have a uh, eh, one of the more interesting tweets, and I, I actually I, I think I think it was the lineup this year. I, I, I really did. I think they they went for younger and younger, and that's fine. But I think it ultimately hurt them. Here's a text: Jeff, I'm 26, and the lineup didn't even interest me this year. My mom was a vendor this year; her numbers were way down do she says to the younger crowd um that's you know, and you need to have the appropriate balance like i say for years the, the 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 critics have like stuck their nose in the air and said well there's 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 too much boomer stuff here you know there, there's too much of the same thing how many times can you have uh, again tom petty and i understand tom petty passed away but but how how many times can you have that there how many times can you have zach brown it's too much you're, you're appealing to kind of the boomer crowd well all right but those might be the people that are buying tickets and coming down. So, in any event, I'm sure Summerfest is going to take a look at it. Certainly, it's not the grounds. I tell you, you look at the capital improvements they've made there, and it's just, you know, it's just a tremendous experience, no question about it. All right, let me switch gears here. Um, every once in a while, you uh, you you can be too successful. How can you be too successful? Well, you can launch a promotion and you you cannot be prepared for the consequences of the promotion. And sometimes if you launch that promotion and it's so successful that you're not able to fulfill it, instead of getting people excited, what happens is you, you end up alienating your customer base. And this, this might have been what happened yesterday. All right, Build-A-Bear. And Build-A-Bear didn't just do this in Milwaukee. Build-A-Bear did this all across the country and, I believe, in Europe as well that the, the build a bear promotion was this and Gru grew who's producing the show today and always do people know what build a bear is yeah bill cape okay, everybody knows build a bear is you you take your kid and they you they you make your own teddy bear they they make the teddy bear you pick out the way the teddy bear is going to look and all those different types of things and they're relatively pricey and there's a store at Mayfair that has these they make great gifts i remember years and years ago we got one for my niece and it must have been years and years ago because And she's now going to be a college sophomore. So it's a long time. It's been a long time since I've been a Build-A-Bear. They've got one at Mayfair. Here's the way the Journal Sentinel writes the story. Build-A-Bear Workshop launched its first pay-your-age promotion today, offering its bears at a lower price, the age of your child. So you show up, you know, with a five-year-old and a seven-year-old, you know, you're getting bears for five and seven bucks. During our program yesterday, when we were talking about this news story. My dear friend, Melissa Barclay, says, well, gee, if you had gone in and had to pay your age, it would have really cost a lot of money. To which I said, be careful. I'll call human resources. You know, don't be ageist on me on that. But anyhow, so they announce, show up, and here's what's going to happen. You know, you'll get a bear for your child's age. All right. The Mayfair store, which normally opens at 10 a.m., opened at 845 a.m., they had people that were lined up. At Mayfair, there were more than a thousand people in a line that snaked all the way around the balcony on the second floor of the mall from the Build-A-Bear store to the Macy's end of the mall and then back on the other side. So you got a thousand people in line. Only about 50 people were allowed into Build-A-Bear at a time. Stores at the Fox River Mall in Appleton and in Green Bay reported similar crowds. So um people started lining up really early. The store opened early, but by 10:30 they had ended up closing the line to new guests saying we can't take any more people. Um and then they ended up turning people away. This was not an uncommon experience. What happened in Wisconsin was what happened, you know, all all over a uh, story in today's Chicago Tribune. Uh Katie Nanick used Build-A-Bear Workshops' pay-your-age-day promotion as a bribe all week, encouraging daughter Claire and son Teddy to go to bed on their own to earn their bear. When the day of the sale arrived Thursday, the Logan Square family headed to the Build-A-Bear store at Oak Brook Center. They expected long lines. They didn't expect the scene that ended up greeting them. It was pandemonium. People brought chairs, but the line didn't seem to be moving as much. And again, what happened is an enormous turnout. And as a result, they ended up having to, you know, turn people away. And they had to turn people away in droves. Um, the company did say that they would, they would introduce vouchers. All right. The vouchers are good for 15 bucks. 15 bucks. So, depending on the type of bear you get, that, that might cover the cost or not. But the bottom line is a lot of people went away, ho- went home extremely unhappy. And a lot of kids went home extremely unhappy after waiting in line for an hour or two hours or three hours. All right? 414-799-1620. That is the Acconet Mortgage talk and text line. Do you fault Build-A-Bear for doing the promotion in this fashion? Should they have anticipated these crowds? Should they have figured out a different way to do it? And is it satisfactory compensation for people that maybe waited in line with young children for an hour or two hours or three hours who didn't end up getting their bears? Do those people who waited in line, do they have a right to be upset? Or is this just, hey, it's first come, first serve, who cares? 414-799-1620. And if you were one of the people who happened to be in the Build-A-Bear line yesterday at Mayfair or in Green Bay, I would be particularly interested in hearing your reaction to the pandemonium that ensued. Did Build-A-Bear screw up big time or were they just a victim of their own success? No big deal. Will this hurt them moving forward? 414-799-1620. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. Twelve forty three, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. And yes, I have a very strong take on this. Twelve forty five, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, it was well intended. Build a bear, which is this big thing for kids. They they actually they had disappointing results last quarter, so they were trying to like build up brand awareness. Their deal was pay your kids age. And normally the, these bears start at 12 bucks, but they can go up to 30, 40, 50 bucks, you know, depending on what you add onto the bears. The idea was show up, your kid can get a bear and they pay the kid's age. Well, I mean, they, they had room to maybe accommodate 500 people. They had a thousand, 2000 people showing up at some locations. People waited a long period of time. Ultimately, they had to end the lines and send a lot of people home who'd been waiting in line. They gave them $15 vouchers. Is that satisfactory? Should they have anticipated this? Was it a debacle or not? Molly in Oconomowoc. Hi, Molly. You're on WTMJ.
4: Hello. Uh, I've got children. They're in college now. But um, had they been that age at this point, I would have never in the world ventured out <laughs> and stood in line for any period of time with a child of any age.
0: But, Mom, uh, I Mom, think- I've always wanted to build a bear. I'm five years you know old. What? you got to take me, Mom. All yeah. my friends are going. <laughs>
4: Great. All your friends can go. Wow. Um, No, no, there's no way. Build-A-Bear did absolutely nothing wrong. And as a parent with any level of common sense, you would expect lines. You would expect that they would sell out and you'd expect to be there all day in line. So all of these parents whining, this is a first world problem and I think they need to get a grip.
0: (laughs) Well, it is a first world. It is a first world problem. (laughs) Would Build-A-Bear Could they have avoided some of this if they had simply said first 200 people, you know, that that show up, um, you know, get the bear? Could that have avoided some of this problem?
4: Perhaps, but I don't think that's necessarily the responsibility of Build-A-Bear because then you've got people showing up the day before in line. And that would present to me security issues and all sorts of other issues. There would be fights. It would be much like Black Friday, almost, if they get that.
0: <laughs> do you think so, them giving the $15 voucher to the people who showed up but but couldn't get the bear the, for the kid's age, do you think that that's more than sufficient for them to do, that that's a more I fair it's remedy? A,
4: a, it's above and beyond. I think for Build-A-Bear to even do that was, way above and beyond what anybody on that line should
0: expect. Interesting. Now, thanks to Colin. The story I'm looking at in the Chicago Tribune design, I mean, they're I mean they're, they're talking to PR people and they are I mean they're describing this as just a public relations debacle. For, for Build-A-Bear. I mean, the argument is that, you know, Build-A-Bear is supposed to be this place for kids, for happiness and joy, and instead it becomes a place of frustration and disappointment. Um, here's one of these PR guys, uh, Director of Marketing. It's a disaster for Build-A-Bear. You desperately want your brand associated with happy parents and happy kids, and that did not happen. Um, our first caller, Molly, doesn't doesn't see it that way. Matt in Menominee Falls. Matt, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Matt.
2: I I would agree with Molly. I think that, first of all, from build a bear standpoint, the the bear itself, I think, is a loss leader for them. So maybe they raise the voucher to $25. That way you're getting the bear really for free on the voucher. But the the fact is they don't care if they sell a bear. They care about selling the $10 shoes and the $20 (laughs) pajama sets and all that other stuff. That's why the bear ends up being $80. So I think what they did is fine. Um, I think maybe raise the voucher if somebody really throws a fit, but I, I have no problem with what they did, and I think um, they're going to
0: come out fine on this. Do you – would they have been smarter – let me ask you the same question I asked Molly. Would you have been – do you think they would have been smarter if they would have limited it, said, look, we're – in the first 500 people, kind of like what the brewers do. Okay, the first – you know, the first twenty thousand people that come through the stadium on Sunday, they get a you know they get a Robin t-shirt or, or whatever. But once they're gone, they're gone. Would Bill A Bear have been smarter to follow that model?
1: You know, in
2: hindsight, I would say probably yes. And I would
0: imagine going forward, that will probably yeah. be a discussion point there.
2: <laughs> um, you, you learn from it, but at the end of the day, I, I think they're still going to come
0: out fine. Thanks to call, appreciate it. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. I mean, I, I I I'll give you an example of something that that we do. Um, you know, every year for the last several years, the day before State Fair, we've been involved with a, a cream puff giveaway. And I think we're going to be making some, uh, you know, where you, you show up and the gates open at 6 o'clock in the morning. And I think we're going to be making an announcement as to whether we're going to be doing that next year. I don't want to step on that. Maybe this year we'll be making an announcements sometime in the next week or so, I think, about, you know, the, the future of that promotion. But, you know, we we always say that we have X number of six packs of cream puffs to give away. And the years that I have done it, I, I've also, I mean, we've worked out deals with the State Fair Police where we cut the line off because the last thing I want, I mean, I can't control how early people come down, but the last thing I want to have happen is, all right, after we have 500 or 300 or 600 or however many cars, how many six-packs of Green Puffs we're giving away, after, you know, we have – we've reached that limit the last thing i want is people waiting in line and then they find out that we can't deliver on on their promise uh laura in oosburg laura you're on wtmj
6: hi jeff hi um i was looking at my closest Build-A-Bear location yesterday and decided not to make the trip because i knew the lines would be crazy and so did all the pr like we warned that the lines would be crazy if you're a member of their rewards club, the Build-A-Bear Rewards Club, which is a free membership, everybody right now has a fifteen dollars voucher, regardless. It's right. just like a coupon on there, so it's kind of slowly, like, it's it's just a PR stunt with that. Action.
0: Right, So you didn't right? You didn't have to wait in line. You didn't have to wait in line. If if you're a member of that club, you can you can. If you're here as talking today, you can go and get that same deal as if somebody who showed up and didn't get in yesterday. All right. Okay. Mm-hmm
6: online for all that right the good thing is and what they were saying on their website yesterday when i was checking on the month of your child's birthday they can get their bear for the price of their age if you're a member of this club that you can register online for free so it's it's not that unusual of a deal so people just need to relax and go back the month that their child turns whatever and get their whatever dollar bear.
0: Yeah, but Laura, you've got that five-year-old who's, <laughs> you've got the five or six-year-old who's been looking forward for the last couple of weeks to going to Build-A-Bear and getting their bear. Tell them, hey, honey, come in November. They're not going to like that. <laughs>
6: yeah. I have that five-year-old. So you just you distract them and give them something else, and you remind them about their birthday, and it's going to be an even more special trip.
0: Do you think Build-A-Bear could have handled this differently?
6: No. Okay. It's just a promotion. They probably lost a ton of money on it.
0: Uh, well, right. You know, do you think they're going to get, do you think most people are going to be upset with them or do you think most people are going to have the attitude that you have or where it's no big deal?
6: I think it'll blow over and right. it has the result of people are saying build a bear again which people haven't done since the 90s so it's probably good for their brand.
0: Well right and they, I mean I think one of the reasons they did this is I mean their their numbers have been declining. They they had a bad last quarter so I think they were trying to build discussion about their brand and and clearly people are talking about build a bear you know there's good, good or bad thanks Nicole I always now as some people always say that there's no such thing as bad publicity grew right this down um, anybody who says there's no such thing as bad publicity has never had bad publicity. You know, that's, they're, that, you know, oh, they're, they're talking about you. Okay. Well, the headline says that, you know, you're, you're going to go to prison for 20 years. You've got public, trust me, that's bad publicity. Um, my take on this, I, I think, I, I think they should have thought this through. And, and, again, I I understand you've, you've got the voucher and things like that. I guess I'm sort of sensitive. I'm trying to picture this idea that you're dealing with kids. And and, and I understand. I think a couple of our callers correctly said you have to manage children's expectations. But I, I am, you know, you, you hear this deal, hey, you know, we can get you a bear. It's for what you cost. Maybe, you know, it's for your, your age. Um, here, we're going to do this, we're going to make it this special thing. And then you show up and it, it, you, you're in line and you find out the store can't deliver and you've you've disappointed the kids. And I think, you know, this is a little bit different when you're dealing with children. I think this is the type of thing that Build-A-Bear should have anticipated and maybe they did this as stunt or whatever. I, I think they would have been much better off if they had figured out a way to either spread this out or... To make it really clear that this was going to go to the first, you know, 500 people that show up, and in that case, maybe even then give them vouchers for this, you know, age thing, so you don't have the you don't have the long lines. You know, say okay, we're going to open the thing at 8:45. And you know, everybody who comes here, You know we're going to get as many people in as we can, but we're also going to give you a voucher so if we get overwhelmed that you can, again, get the bear. I understand it is a, actually a first-world problem, but I'm always fascinated by the whole marketing strategy that some of these places do and sometimes how it can backfire. Build a bear, I, I think hopefully they learned a little bit about it because I do think there were some children that were disappointed, and that, that's, that's what you want to avoid. 1255, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. The one of the really horrible statewide stories of this week was this: the the Sun Prairie explosion that happened on Tuesday. Um, um, there was a gas main break. I mean, I think everybody knows the story by now. Um, in Sun Prairie. There was a gas main break about 6.20 p.m. on Tuesday evening. It led to an explosion about 40 minutes later. Um, one of the volunteer firefighters lost his life. There were other people who were injured. Um, at least in this one area where the explosion occurred, it, it was, it was sort of devastating. There's no question about it. The Sun Prairie mayor had said that there had been, there was a contractor who had been doing directional boring which allows for laying pipe or cable without having to dig a trench. The contractor appeared to have hit the gas main under the pavement. Um, Verizon said in a statement that Bear Communications of Lawrence, Kansas, was contracted to do the fiber work in this area. So it wasn't Verizon employees. It was this subcontractor. Um, in the statement, Bear said a subcontractor of Bear Communications was performing work on the site before the explosion. And right now, the, the 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 thing is, it's it's ongoing. Of course, they're looking into determining what happened. But it's it's a horrible situation. Somebody has lost their life. Um, people's lives have been absolutely un you know completely and totally upended. And and if you're trying to find a silver lining in what is a very dark cloud, it would be that. More people didn't lose their lives. I mean, when you when you hear you know this this gas explosion, I was discussing this briefly just in, in in the situation of a drop. And this this explosion happened in this in context that same day that you had the explosion in Sun Prairie, you had two other contractors. One I believe in Green Bay, and the other I want to say it was in Sheboygan. Um, two other contractors who were were digging. And had, had hit gas lines. Now, thankfully, these didn't result in explosions, but you know, this, this is happening a lot. And I kind of said as an aside just yesterday, I said, well, you know, what, what's, where is Digger's hotline in all this? I mean, if you're going to be digging below streets, don't you, you know, shouldn't you be checking this out? I mean, don't you have an obligation? How, how can something like this happen? Because, Especially if you're going to be doing like the street projects or laying fiber cable or whatever, I mean, shouldn't you know before you start digging where these different lines are? And and I, I just said that kind of as a as what we would call a drop in the business. And I, I got a huge response, both in emails and in texts, people saying, "Well, you know this." This doesn't guarantee safety. Digger's hotline ends up getting a wrong a, a lot of times. A lot of times there's no follow-up on this, and that's why you have these things happening. And, I mean, I keep harkening back to, remember when they were putting in the streetcar lines, and it seemed like almost every week you'd have a story about a contractor who was digging who ended up, you know, taking out the power for three or four city blocks by hitting the electric lines or something. And it, it's starting to seem to me that this is... Going on, on a, a, I don't want to say a constant basis because I know people are digging all over. But when you're talking about underground lines that are providing, you know, natural gas or electricity, the, the idea that you can hit one of those, much less hit three in a 24 hour period throughout, you know, our area, it is just almost incredible to me. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the AccuNet Mortgage talk and text line. I guess my initial reaction was, clearly, the contractor is at fault for this. You know, clearly, that, that obviously they should have been better prepared. They should have known what they were doing. Again, a number of people have been suggesting to me that maybe it's not that, that simple. And that when, you know, you, you even if it were marked, sometimes it's marked inaccurately. A lot of different variables go on. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, here's here's my concern moving forward. I care less about assigning blame. There will be lawyers involved. There will be lawsuits. What I care about, first and foremost, is trying to figure out ways to make sure this doesn't keep happening, because every time... I mean it's it's not just the the nuisance. I mean obviously you hit an under you hit a power an electric line and people lose their power for a day. That is a nuisance. That is an inconvenience. You hit natural gas lines for example and you can have this loss of life. I care less with assigning blame than I do with trying to figure out why the heck this keeps happening over and over again. 414-799-1620. Is Diggers Hotline the answer? Do they do a good enough job? Is it negligence on the contractors? Why does this occur? And what can we do to stop it from happening in the future? 414-799-1620. We discuss next. We got a lot of great calls on the line already. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 115. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 117, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. This thing that happened in Sun Prairie earlier this week could have been a lot worse. Hit a natural gas line, there is the explosion. One person's lost their life, and believe me, I'm not downplaying that at all. A lot of people's lives unended, lots of property damage. Um, within a 24-hour period, you had other uh, gas lines that were hit as well in different parts of the state I guess, what's going on here? Is this a digger's hotline issue? Is it sloppy contractors? You shouldn't, I mean, I understand that there's a lot of digging that happens, but the truth of the matter is you shouldn't be hitting natural gas lines. Let's start with Jerry in Muskego. Hi, Jerry. Yes, how are you today? Real well, thank you, sir. What do you think?
3: Uh, A couple years ago, we had a television cable put into our are redone uh, to our house and we call up diggers hotline to come out to mark it off and they came out and then they they left a notice that they had marked it and they had marked in front of our house an area and they never marked the gas line going to the house So I recalled them up, and I said, you missed the gas line. You did not mark it because there's nothing coming from the meter on the side of my house between my neighbors and the next neighbors. It's not marked. And the people are coming tomorrow, so you better get somebody back out here today. And she said... Well, we couldn't have made that mistake. And I said, "I'm telling you, there's a gas line there." And she kind of argued with me a little bit. And they came back out and they marked the gas line so it wouldn't get hit because they missed it the first
0: time. Uh, that's kind of scary. <laughs> that's forget kind it's really of scary. scary. That's yeah. more than yeah. That's thanks, that, That's extremely scary. And I mean, I, I mean, I just, I, I guess, what really struck me is. Um, I mean, I remember when, when I, I owned the house I used to own in Whitefish Bay, you know, and we do, we do a lot of, you know, landscaping work and things like that. And, I mean, it seems to me the Diggers Hotline folks were out there all the time and you had the different paint that they would run on the different types of things. I, I just, I, I guess what kind of strikes me is if you're a contractor, um, and you're, you know, you're, you're working especially in these urban areas, you gotta know that there's lines underneath there, um, and, how you can miss something like this? Much less, you know, three separate instances of this happening in a 24-hour period is scary. Um, here we have an email, uh, Jeff. I'm in the construction business. Contractors are under extreme pressure to shorten project timelines. This is indicative of our society and our need-it-now mindset. 414-799-1620. seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to John and Beloit. John, you're on WTMJ. Hello.
3: Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. I. I work in Minnesota, and we were talking about this at work, and Minnesota has a law where if a line is within 20 feet of where you're going to dig, those trenches have to be hand dug by shovel. They can't, You can't use a machine. And the reason they did that is they had a huge explosion in St. Paul a few years ago. And so after that, the Minnesota legislator passed a law that said all of those trenches have to be hand dug. So just avoid the same sort of thing. So mm-hmm. I'll hang up and
2: listen
0: no. to the discussion. No, no, no thanks for calling. call. No, I, I, have a, I have a text that makes sort of that same point. Jeff, you're way off base. Locating is not an exact science. Huh. Records are not always accurate. Locate marks are not always accurate. Caution is needed, including hand digging to locate facilities before power equipment is used. Well, I, I don't. I mean, I I guess if that's the idea that you what what the the texter is suggesting is you can call diggers hotline and you can't trust them If if that's if that's really the truth. Then I think that might be even scarier than anything. If you call people and you say, okay, they've got these lines out there, but this is just an approximate, um, that might be even scarier if you're, if you can't rely on, on those lines that are out there. See, the bottom line of this is I, I want to be constructive about this. I want to figure out a way that you can stop this type of stuff from, from happening because, you know, somebody lost their life. There was incredible damage that was there and you do hear these stories with, I I think, alarming frequency. Now, I understand there's a lot of digging that goes on. I I get that. So statistically, maybe this is insignificant, but tell that to the people in Sun Prairie. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Kathy in Fond du Lac. Hi, Kathy, you're on WTMJ. Hi. What do you think? Um,
5: My husband and I are just driving along, and he happens to own an excavating business, and he's been doing it for 35 years. And one of the things we just want to say is that um one thing you need to take into consideration is every day how many contractors are out there digging and how much building is going on in our areas and nothing is hit. You are emphasizing that it's happening so often but you really do not hear about it as often as you think that it could be happening and it's not happening. Um there are so many variables that go into play um, there are abandoned lines. There are old lines that are over a hundred years old that haven't had, that haven't been records made of them or haven't been recorded. And, um, you know, I think the boring company is getting a bad rap because there's so many variables. Something could have, um, moved or hit off of the line. Another thing you need to consider is get our guys out there, get our high school boys out there shoveling and digging and learning how to use a shovel and teaching them how to show up for work and encourage um, parents need to encourage. Well, Kathy, okay, okay,
0: okay, I, I let me stop you for a second. I mean, the, the, you, you you say you suggest that the contractor might be getting a bad rap in Sun Prairie. What, what appears to have happened is there was a gas main under the pavement. Now, if you're I, I I'm sorry, I, I don't understand how we can say that that could be anything other than gross negligence. You you know that there's gonna be utility lines under a pavement. Before you start going after this, don't you have some doesn't the contractor or the excavator have some obligation to figure out where the line is before they start running things down there? Yes,
5: yes, absolutely. Okay. They should have potted it and located okay.
0: it. All right.
5: And then they should have taken the necessary precautions, which I'm sure that they did going around it cautiously, but they're... Um, but why do you say you're sure that you they did? They, they blew, they, they, they hit the line. They're boring through what they're boring through.
0: I, I'm sorry, I, I don't know if you if we lost your car, or your phone line. I, I, okay, I, I, I'm not, look, I, I don't know. They're going to investigate, but all I know is, I, I don't know whether the contractor's negligent or, or not. The investigation will determine that, but I, I do know that if you... If you're, you're digging up streets, for example, you know that there are utility lines under that. And I think before you start digging, you have an obligation to figure out, you know, before you start boring deeply in there, you have an obligation to figure out where the utility line is, because if you screw up. Well, what's going to happen is you're going to cause massive pro- problems, and I also understand that there's a lot of digging that goes on. But just in a 24-hour period, three gas lines hit in three different parts of the state. If if you don't think that that's a problem or something that we need to worry about, I'm sorry, I, I just disagree because the consequences of that happening, well, are just or they can potentially be devastating. One twenty-six, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 128, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, so glad to have you with us on a Friday afternoon. It was a party, 26 years in the making. WTMJ is excited to announce our first-ever Brewers Classic broadcast. We're celebrating the 10-year anniversary of the Milwaukee Brewers' dramatic 2008 win against the Chicago Cubs, securing the team's first playoff appearance since 1982. That's Brewers Classic. It is this Wednesday. Of course, the All-Star break is going to be Monday through Thursday. This Wednesday, 6 o'clock. It is sponsored by Usinger's Famous Sausage, Sartori Cheese, Quick Trip, and Habish Habish and Rotier. Be sure to check that out. I I admit, I, I love this story. Mark Pocan, who is a very, very left-wing congressman out of Madison, one of these kind of backbenchers, he and a bunch of the, the hardcore, I, I, sort of the kook fringe of the Democratic Party in Congress And that doesn't apply to all Democrats, but, but Pocan is part of the hard left. He can get to, he can get to be part of the hard left because he represents, you know, the Dane County area. And so they'll keep electing him no matter how silly the, the, the policies are. Well, he comes out and says, okay, here's my idea. I want to abolish ICE. ICE is. Um, Immigrations and Customs Enforcement, they are responsible for enforcing the immigration laws in this country. So if they catch people who are in this country illegally, they're the ones that catch them and arrange for them to be prosecuted, deported, etc. He wants to abolish ICE. Bernie Sanders wants to abolish ICE. To show you how wacky this idea is, not even Tammy Baldwin who is up for re-election this year, is willing to call for that. But Pocan, he's one of the advocates. He introduces this bill in Congress to do that. Well, I lump this into the category of be careful what you wish for because Republican leadership that controls um the House says, okay, tell you what, let's have a vote. You You think this is a good idea? Let's have a vote. At which point in time... Pocan and a number of these other people just freak out because there's all these Democrats who don't in an election year want to be put on record with having to vote in favor of doing away with ICE, which is a crackpot idea. And it just it's, it's a crackpot idea. So the Republican leadership says, fine, you want this? Let's have a vote. Let's get everybody on record, um, and then we'll let their constituents know where they stand. At which point in time, Pocan immediately comes out and says, no, I'm going to vote no. If you do that, if you give me a vote, I'm going to vote no on my bill. <laughs> it's just, you cannot make this stuff up. And it just shows, again, how how unserious... So many of these people are when it comes to certain of these issues. You introduce a bill, I want to do away with ICE. All right, Paul Ryan and the guy say, fine, let's have a vote on this. Let us let the American people see where Congress is on this, and then even some of the people that wrote the bill, guys like PoCon, say, well, I, I know I introduced the bill, but no, I'll, I'll vote no if you do it. Really? <laughs> if you you Out in Dane County, you get the quality of representation that you deserve, and this is a classic example of that it's 136 jeff Wacker, wtmj the breaking news story of the day of course is uh the department of justice announcing um, and that this is through robert Mulder, the special prosecutor that they are going to be uh, they've returned a federal grand jury sitting in dc has returned an indictment against 14 members of the the russian military i don't think I, they're not kgb agents it's um they're part of another group um GRU right the main intelligence directive directorate of the general staff GRU um so it's an indictment against 14 individuals who are are alleged to have been involved in the hacking of various uh Hillary Clinton's campaign the the DNC and then trying to disseminate the the information it's kind of an interesting indictment and I, I i you know the one unfortunate thing and i made this point at the start of the program the unfortunate thing is we're never going to really see the nature of the evidence I think that the government has because all the people that are indicted I believe are beyond the reach of government authorities in some in some respects this indictment is an exercise in futility if the idea is to bring these people to justice because I believe all of them are are in russia and Russia is not going to extradite member i'm unless president trump is a lot more persuasive than I think even he can be. Russia is not going to hand over a, a number of members of its military intelligence division to, to American authorities to be tried on these charges. It's just, it's just not going to happen. And so unless these individuals who are named in the indictment happen to travel to the United States or End up traveling to a country where the United States can convince people to arrest them and then ship them, extradite them to the U.S. Bottom line is, none of the people that are named in this indictment are, are ever going to stand trial, which uh, it's just, it, I guess it's frustrating that people can avoid it, but can avoid, you know, responsibility for alleged crimes. But you're never really going to get to the bottom of it because, I mean, I understand there's a big splash in the newspaper, but I will be, and on, on radio and a television, but I'll be surprised if anybody. Um, named in this indictment today ever stands trial because, like I say, the Russian military op- operatives and tell me how you get them under the jurisdiction of a U.S. court. Just saying. All right. There was an intriguing story on today's TMJ4. Um, the other night, my friend Court, this is July 3rd. This is Friday the 13th, grew, who's producing the show. I, I had not realized that till just a moment ago. It is Friday the 13th. Are you superstitious? Do you worry about Friday the 13th? You know, me, me neither. No, I, I, there's all sorts of stuff I worry about, and I guess Friday the 13th is like number 2000 on that, that list of, you know, the, the top thousand things to worry about. But it's Friday the 13th. In any event, yesterday, uh, today's DMJ4, my friend Courtney Garish had a really interesting story. I mean, I think it's interesting at least on the number of people who are driving without valid driver's licenses. Now, I think, I, I have been railing about this problem for, for years. Because if you drive without a valid driver's license, that probably means, almost certain, certainly means that you're driving without insurance. Because if you don't have a valid driver's license, you're not going to get insurance coverage at all. And, one of the things that is frustrating to me is a lot of times you know you will hear you'll read about or hear about the stories involving you know hit and run drivers or this or that or the other thing and, and it it's almost always not always but oftentimes perhaps you know it's somebody who's driving on a license that is revoked or a license that is suspended or um, in some cases they just never had a license in the first place which kind of makes me wonder. What, are, are the rest of us just chumps that we're out there and, you know, we, we keep our valid driver's licenses and, you know, we pay our fines and things like that? Well, anyhow, here, here's the report on today's TMJ4. More than $1 million. That's what people driving on suspended licenses owe the city of Milwaukee just for 2017. People driving on suspended licenses owe the city of Milwaukee more than $1 million. Lena, don't you know who I am, Taylor? has decided to come down on the side of people who are driving without a valid license, saying that this is a debtor's prison. Um, uh, okay. And saying that it's not making the streets any safer. Um, all right. Uh, the bill owed to the city for speeding is more than $1.3 million. For running a red light, the balance for 2017 is almost $79,000. $79,000. But the highest... Dollar amount is for driving on a suspended license. Unpaid citations total $3.4 million. What happens is, and then they go into the story of somebody who had various non-moving violations, developed tickets. So you you got, you got violations. What happens is you don't pay the violations. Um, and so then ultimately after you don't pay the violations, they suspend your license. And then what happens is people, all right, they decide we're going to continue to drive even though we have a suspended license because, well, we need our car or we need to get around. So we're going to drive anyways. And the response that some elected officials seem to have is that, well, I mean, we, we shouldn't be suspending people's licenses for failure to pay Fines. All right. Our number four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text line. I guess I, I I come down on this in a couple ways. First of all, maybe I'm just old fashioned, but I don't think there is any excuse for somebody to be driving their car once their license has been suspended. Um. I. And I really don't care why it is that your license was suspended. Like I say, in most cases, it's moving violations. You don't pay the tickets. And so then what happens is your license gets suspended. Well, all right, there was a reason why you got those tickets in the first place. And in many cases, it's moving violations. In some cases, it's not. But the truth of the matter is, once your license is suspended, that should be the stop. Do not pass go, do not collect $200, and do not drive your car until you can figure out a way to get your license back. 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'm sorry, I, I'm not sympathetic to people who are driving their cars without having valid licenses. And again, in many cases, it's because you know they, they didn't pay tickets related to moving or non-moving violations, and then they just continue to drive and they continue to get caught over and over again, and then they amass more fines. So I acknowledge that it's a vicious cycle, but it's a vicious cycle created by people who, again, are driving their cars without being legally allowed to do so. All right, do we need to say, all right, we're going to stop suspending licenses for failure to pay tickets? Would that make the streets safer? 414 799 1620. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 144, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 146, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Today's TMJ4 had a really interesting story yesterday about ah, all these people, about in Milwaukee County, there are, the city of Milwaukee, there's unpaid citations totaling. Well, they say um, over a million dollars for people who get caught driving on suspended licenses. And what this is, is people who have had their licenses suspended for a variety of reasons, including failure to pay tickets, and they continue driving. They don't care whether they have a valid license or not. So they get stopped, and then they get another ticket, and then they keep driving, and it becomes a, a vicious cycle. And I appreciate all that, but I guess the bottom line to me is, If you've lost your license, if your license has been suspended for whatever reason, you shouldn't be behind the wheel of a car unless and until you figured out a way to get that license reinstated. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to uh, Dave in Appleton. Dave, you're on WTMJ.
3: Good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Dave. Yeah, like you, I have some guilty pleasures. You know, we talk about that some days. And one of them is parking wars that's on TV. And the state of Wisconsin should do exactly what they do on that show. It's Pennsylvania. I think it's Michigan. And if you don't have a registration, if you don't have a driver's license, if you don't have valid insurance, they hook your car right there in front of you and take it away from you. I mean, there was an incident once where they pulled a the guy over for a bad taillight, and, yeah, I don't have a license. Well, well you and the kids are walking home because we're taking the car. And that's, that's <laughs> yeah. it. Just hook the car. And you can get it back, and you come in and you prove you got a valid driver's license, valid insurance, and valid registration. Until then, we're keeping the car, and we're going to charge you storage, yeah. and then we're going to auction the car off in twenty days if you don't come and get it.
0: Well, right. See, I mean, thanks. I mean, see again. You, you know, you make the point of insurance, and I was touching on that just a minute ago. I mean, that's the other thing. If you're if you're driving without a valid driver's license, you're not going to have insurance. And so, you know, if you don't have insurance, then you're responsible for the automobile collision. And then, you know, then it's it's off to the races. I mean, it's like driving is not a right. Driving is a privilege. And I understand that for people who... Might be, you know, from different socioeconomic levels. Okay. It might be tougher for somebody to pay a ticket than somebody else. I, I understand all that, but then it needs to become a, a priority to deal with these things. And by the way, I know the city attorney's office and the city attorney and the, the municipal courts in Milwaukee, they, they work with people. All right. They, they, they really do. If people decide that they're going to try to make an effort to pay their tickets and they can come in and they can say, Oh, look, I, I can't afford this whole thing. They'll work with you. But, you know, that's not what's going on here. You have people who just decide to blow it off and figure, you know, what the heck, no consequences. I'll keep driving over and over again. We're now joined by Milwaukee County Circuit Judge David Borowski. Judge, good afternoon. Good
7: afternoon, Jeff. How are you?
0: I don't, this, this kind of frustrates me when I think about all the people that are driving without without licenses, to tell you the truth.
7: Well, it frustrates me, too. And many, many years ago, over a decade ago, before taking the bench as a judge. I was a court commissioner for the city of Milwaukee. And, you know, as you said, thousands of these tickets and citations and fines go through the city of Milwaukee Municipal Court, and some go through circuit court. And first of all, what you just said is true. For those people who really can't afford to pay them, the judges in Municipal Court and the commissioners will bend over, not just backbirds, but they will contort themselves into pretzels, figuring out ways to work with people if they actually want to work with the courts To get the fines taken care of so that they can get a valid license. Right,
0: payment plans. I I mean, Mike's, I I think it's. Payment plans,
7: volunteer work, everything you can think of. Work with a community group, come into court every week and show us you paid $5. They do everything you possibly can do for people who truly have problems paying the fines. But for most of the people, that's not the issue. It's just in situation of being just a scoff law. And driving in this community has gotten to be more and more dangerous. Anybody who's paid attention, you can't go a week now without a hit-and-run, just in today's paper, there was a car who somebody put themselves and killed themselves, unfortunately, into a tree just last night or the day before. Every few days, there's an accident or an injury or hit-and-run, and And as you said, almost all of them, 90%, don't have a license. There's a license and a reason people need to have a license, and you and I could pay a ticket, Jeff, but one of the reasons I don't get them Is because I want to drive safely with my kids. The other reason is I'm too cheap to pay $150 speeding ticket, so I don't do it.
0: Right, and you know that if you get one, Judge, you're going to pay that ticket. I mean, you're, and before you just decide to start driving. Right, yeah.
7: But I have gotten them. Not in a long time, but right, I'm going to pay it, and you're going to pay it, and then it doesn't get worse. You just pay the first $85 fine or $200 fine, and it's done.
0: Well, I, I'm really glad you called because one of I, I, one of the myths that I find frustrating is that again the courts are, are just randomly taking people's driver's licenses away because that that's always been my understanding that it just just like when you, you utilities your, your utilities get disconnected, get you know you don't pay during the winter season if you work with We Energies. They won't turn off your gas, you, but you have to make the effort to work. That's always been my experience and what I've understood municipal courts. If you go in and you work with them, they won't suspend your driver's license, but you have to make that effort to do it. And my guess is a lot of the people that have suspended licenses, they just don't care about it. It's like, oh, I can't pay it. I'm not going to respond. I'm not going to show up. What are they going to do to me?
7: Well, and it's, just, it's frustrating. That that certain elected officials continue in situations like this to be more concerned about the scofflaws than the people that are trying to abide by the law. And trust me, the judges in municipal court and the commissioners in circuit court will do everything they can to work with people if they have a legitimate reason. But then they have to actually make the effort. And anybody can make the effort to go downtown to municipal court, to drive down to the circuit court, to talk to the city attorney's office. But right. if you're not going to do that and continue to operate without a license, it leads to you operating in a reckless fashion, which leads to you not obeying traffic lights, which leads to you not caring about police. And then when the police do pull you over, even if it's something minor like, well, speeding or operating after revocation or I don't have my license, that leads to people fleeing and we all see what happens then.
0: Um, right. Uh, thanks for joining us, Judge. I appreciate that. It's Judge David Borowski, Milwaukee County Circuit Court, who was a court commissioner um, in the, for the city of Milwaukee. And it, for people who don't understand it, most most tickets, for example, most traffic tickets, not all, but most traffic tickets in the city of Milwaukee are handled by the municipal court judges. Uh, occasionally it gets over to circuit court, but that's, that's the rare thing. I, I guess this, this idea, though, that we've created a debtor's prison, that we need to we, we need to move away from uh, suspending people's driver's licenses because they get a bunch of tickets and don't pay the fines. I, I think that's just absolute and total insanity. If you work with the authorities, you know, they'll, they'll help you out. But you have to work with the authorities. If you just ignore it and decide I'm going to do whatever I want, well, then, yes, the situation ends up getting worse. But the bottom line is driving on suspended or revoked or never had driver's licenses in this community is a big, big deal. And we need to get the people who are doing that off the streets or at least out of the cars. 154 Jeff Wagner WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So glad to have you with us. It is the two o'clock hour of the Friday show. Um, We've got Pop Culture Corner coming up in about twenty five minutes. That's going to be a lot of fun. Let's ease into the weekend. Ah, today is an interesting day. And then there was only one. Now Gru, who's producing the show today and always. Do you remember when Blockbuster Video was a big deal, or was that kind of before your time? You remember Blockbuster Video now. I understand if you're a certain age, you might be saying, what is this blockbuster video thing of which you speak, Jeff? But, but here is the reality. For a period of time, blockbuster video was a license to print money. Blockbuster video, originally they they rented VHS, you know, VHS tapes. And again, what would happen? is that the new movies would come out. You know, there'd be a release date. Movies would get released on Thursday or Friday. And and people would flock to blockbuster videos. The blockbuster video I used to go to, and they had them all over. It was um, by Bayshore Shopping Center before they they turned it into Bayshore Town Center. And it was, there was a gas station on the corner of Port Washington Road in Silver Spring. And then there was a little power plant. Then they had this blockbuster video. I swear, hand in the air. But there was a time they, – they actually had security people, traffic cops, you know, out there directing traffic on – it was either – I want to say it was Friday, but it could have been – it was whatever the new releases came out because people would pour in to, to get the new releases. And then, of course, the, they also had all sorts of other videos as well, and, and that was the big thing. You would flock to it. I mean, I can remember – You know, you'd rent, you know, you'd rent three or four or five of these videos. You'd watch them over the weekend. You'd watch these movies. And it was the coolest thing in the world. You didn't have to go to the movie theaters. You could watch these movies at, at home. And it was literally a license to print money. And first it was that the VHS tapes. Um, I even remember there were some of the stores that used to have beta. That that was the old thing that, that, you know, there was the VHS and there was the beta and, and beta ended up losing. And I had a friend. True story, he was like one of the last people in the country that, that had beta. He still had beta, and he finally decided it was time to get a- another one uh, because we, we went to one of these video stores, and the only beta things that you could rent were – A handful of porno movies or some Disney stuff. Otherwise, it was all VHS. But then you went, you know, okay, VHS then went the way of the dinosaur and you had the the DVDs and Blockbuster switched over to that. And it was still a business model that made a ton of money. And then what happened was you had, you know, Netflix that came in and, and all the on demand programming and all the other different things. And the Blockbuster model just I mean, it just it just disappeared. Now, I bring this up because, again, think back on on all the different blockbuster video stores that were out there. Well, as of today, there are only three blockbuster video locations left in the United States. There's only three. And pretty soon, two of those three are going to be closing. Two of the three, there's two Blockbuster video locations in Alaska, Anchorage, Alaska. They are closing, leaving the only remaining Blockbuster video store. It's in Bend, Oregon. It is the only location left for, again, Blockbuster. Now, I understand that there are... Some small privately owned, you know, video stores around. I think there's one in West Bend, I recall, that are still kind of sort of hanging in there. But the, the advent of on demand and Netflix and all this different stuff, it has completely and totally, you know, killed this particular business model. Why go out and rent a video when for, if you're going to be doing that, why rent a movie when if you're going to be doing that, for ten dollars a month, or eight dollars a month, or twelve dollars a month, or whatever it is, you can end up, you know, signing up with Netflix. And if you've got, you know, and and you can watch it there. I I came to this conclusion because I think for the longest time I might have been one of the fewest people in America, few people in America who did not belong to Netflix. Well, I finally broke down, and about like three weeks ago, I signed up for Netflix, and now I admit I'm addicted to this. I mean, I'm addicted. It's kind of like. Oh, I've heard all about this the the TV show Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. Well, I've watched the two seasons. I'm sitting there and binging on all this stuff, which is the last thing I need is more stuff that keeps me in front of the television. But but the blockbuster video model has just completely, you know, fallen gone to the wayside. It's been replaced as technology has advanced. And a lot of people are are kind of waxing nostalgic about this. Gee, it's too bad that you had, you know, Blockbuster that's ended up failing. I don't think there's really anything they could have done to have saved themselves. Sometimes technology just passes you by. And I was talking about this with someone today, and they were saying, well, they were slow to adapt. It's kind of like newspapers were slow to adapt to the Internet and things like that. I don't know that there's anything that Blockbuster could have done. One segment four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text line. Sometimes technology just passes a particular industry by, and and it's not a question of adapting. It's just a question of. It's gone. It's over. So for those, you know, if you were like me, somebody that was a regular at the video rental store, you were one of those people like me that was lined up at the blockbuster store on the weekends to see what's the new movie coming out because I want to get it. Well, is there anything they could have done to salvage that business model or was it just doomed from the beginning? 414-799-1620. That's the accurate mortgage talk and text line. I don't think it was mismanagement. I just think it was progress and technology passing it by it was a great business model it worked fine for a while but uh the times they are a changing 414-799-1620 that's the Accurate mortgage talk and text line we discuss next when we come back do you miss blockbuster do you remember those nights at blockbuster uh is it too bad blockbuster's gone stick around we'll discuss it's 217 jeff wagner WTMJ. Two nineteen Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Yeah, if you're just tuning in. I Blockbuster Video, which was I mean, just it was the place to be on weekends, and it seems to me maybe not that long ago. Blockbuster Video, they only had they only had three locations left. Two were in Anchorage, Alaska. Those two are closing. And Blockbuster Video is now down to one store left. It is in Bend, Oregon. 414-799-1620, Judy in Oconnama in Wabatosa. Hi, Judy. Hey, hi, how are you doing? blockbuster video gone who would have thought it was possible
8: well it's been a while now but i just have to say when my son's grown up now he's in his 30s but it was like the most fun visit i mean not you know like hanging out at (laughs) a club or anything but you could go in there and then your kids would go to the children's section and people would be sharing like this is really a great movie how is this drama what do you think about this especially if you didn't get the first releases you could share with people about other movies that were good. And of course, yeah, you did race there to try to get the first Then you put your name on the waiting list and it was just a big club right. kind of of yeah. people that would just go there. And I don't know, I just loved it. And I was really sad. I was really sad when they left. And then there was a little one in Wawitosa. That's the name of it. It was on North Avenue that was great too. And the sticky and Dave owned it and it was personal. And right. like I said, you're young, my son was like 10, 11, and they'd go into the, little, just right little boy's section, and then you could, if you're a movie buff like I am, you could just read the back of it, and you're doing all that, and then meanwhile, Someone else just may say that was really a good
2: movie I, yeah
0: I love this. you know i judy, thanks for i mean I, I I love that i mean i could I could to me it was like going to the library and kind of wandering around a section of the library, just like looking for like interesting books i I used to do that all the time as sort of a semi movie aficionado now I will say um and again i'm new to netflix i i understand everybody else in the world has been on netflix but now i do admit it's kind of cool i will sit there and my wife works evenings, so when i'm kind of killing some time waiting for her to come home there's not a ball game on or something i i i'll kind of look through all the different stuff on netflix Go, wow that's interesting and i i like documentaries they've got obscure documentaries on there it's i again it's the last thing i need is more stuff to keep me in front of a television set but i think i found it jim and Mechwan jim you're on wtmj hello Hey, thanks Hi, for having me
7: on. Sure. Hey, I, I just had two thoughts, and, and the first one is more of a comment that don't don't forget that Netflix's first business model was just mailing DVDs right. to your house. It wasn't it wasn't this whole online thing that it is today. But secondly, you know, Blockbuster had all of the licenses and all the relationships and all of that with the with the uh, uh, production houses and the, and the right uh, and Hollywood. And as far as I, I.
3: I'm concerned the management just blew it in terms of not changing with the time.
0: Not anticipating where are we going to be, not today, not tomorrow, but where are we going to be three years from now? What's going to happen with the business, and where is technology going?
3: Yeah, exactly. They just, you know, and and management these days, boy, they have to adjust, as you know, and uh, they just... They just
0: blew it. Well, yeah, I mean, right, because you you knew that this was a finite sort of thing. It's interesting. I, I have a text here. Somebody saying Blockbuster had a chance to buy Netflix back in the day for a low price. They passed. That was their fatal business mistake. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. No. Thanks. No, no. Thanks for calling. Exactly. And that's that. That that's it. It's it's always one of the challenges. You know, if you ever. You ever wonder why restaurants for like like fast food restaurants you wonder why they roll out new things? Why is Kentucky Fried Chicken, you know, why are they coming out with a special sort of deal? Why is McDonald's introducing some new, like new food item that's there? Because they're always looking for what that next best thing is going to be. Yeah, you've got your traditional stuff and that might hold up, but you you want to be ahead of the curve. Got an interesting uh our text line just exploding. My son was my son in the military was happy to see Blockbuster still open when he moved to his station in Anchorage, Alaska. In December, she's showing me a picture of the Blockbuster video right next to a McDonald's, as a matter of fact, in Anchorage, Alaska. Well, that's closing on Friday. Hi, Jeff. I'm 27. When I was in high school, Blockbuster was the place to be on Friday nights. I have a lot of memories hanging out with my friends and going to the Blockbuster to grab movies or video games. It was awesome. I miss it. Hopefully, they're going to bring it back someday. I No, I think this is one where... And it's just gone. I mean, it's, it's just because the reality is nowadays with, with Netflix or like I say, you've got the different kind of on-demand things. You can sit in your living room in your she shed or your man cave and you can just say, okay, what, what do I want to see? And you can get this whole universe of things. You click the button and most times, you know, the on-demand stuff is generally free and the Netflix, it's all rolled into your 10 bucks. Um, let's see. Here's Justin. Technology changes obsoleted the video rental business, which apparently held on a bit longer in Alaska because until recently, affordable high speed um, Internet there was rare. Next to go will be regular broadcast TV networks with only live breaking news and sports being over the air from now on. Um, I don't know. Not, I don't know about that. I, I think there's always going to be that demand. Um, here's another text. You can still rent DVDs from Redbox. Those machines are in many stores and hotels, more easily accessible and cheaper than Blockbuster. Yeah, they, that's the, you know, once, for example, you know, once Redbook, once they got into the grocery stores and the motels and hotels, that gave them th- that ability to do that. In any event, if you were wondering... Whatever happened to Blockbuster Video, are there any more out there? The answer is there were three, and as of the end of this week, there's going to be one. It's 225. This is Jeff Wacker, WTMJ. It's 227, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Uh, the political rancor across our country is reaching levels we haven't seen in decades. Could it reach a violent tipping point? Steve graffiti looks at the hostility of our political debate. Check out his latest blog in his section at WTMJ.com. Um, we, there is a tendency to want to compartmentalize things, particularly like crime. And, and I, I hear that a lot. Well, Jeff, why do you talk about crime in the city of Milwaukee? We don't live in the city of Milwaukee. We're not going to drive to the city of Milwaukee. What, why do we care about that? Well, the problem is, it's, crime doesn't stop at particular city borders. Now, last week we talked about this rash of, of break-ins and car thefts that they had in Whitefish Bay. And the police, their response is, well, make sure you lock your car and make sure you lock your doors because what they had is people who were breaking into homes, especially they were looking for unlocked cars or unlocked doors, going in, stealing people, women's purses, for example, using that to get the keys and drive the cars away. You had another example of this two days ago in Germantown. Um, Tuesday night, you had 16 total incidents that had been reported. Apparently, um, Unlocked and locked vehicles were targeted, garages were burglarized, one vehicle was stolen. Apparently what was happening is a group of thieves, my guess is they weren't homegrown in Germantown, who were breaking into cars. Um, that were in driveways or in people's garages, and they were going through them. They were trying to take valuables out of them. Large numbers. I mean, it was just, it was a ring that was operating. And like I say, last week we were talking about Whitefish Bay. This is Germantown. Apparently, they picked out an apartment complex or an area by an apartment complex where uh, some people I think don't even have, they didn't even have under, didn't have garage parking. So the cars were sitting out. They were able to get at it. The bottom line is crime around here is spreading. If you want, to think that this is it's a city of milwaukee problem well it is a city of milwaukee problem but it's also a whitefish bay problem and a germantown problem and a shorewood problem it is all over and it's why we need to get a handle on this because yeah i understand you want to lock doors and things like that but people shouldn't have to live this way and what happens is if we've got criminals that are out of control we need to catch them we need to prosecute them we need to yes put them in jail to protect decent people. And the latest example of that, Germantown the other night, where a bunch of vandals and thieves were running wild. All right, Pop Culture Corner is coming up. It's a fun one today. 235, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, this is the time of the week where we put away the heavy lifting. We stopped talking about President Trump in Britain and Brexit, and we stopped talking about immigration reform, and we stopped talking about all that stuff, and we have a little bit of fun going into the... Uh, Good weekend. I call this segment Pop Culture Corner. We talk about, I don't know, generally speaking, it's something that's happened in the week that is part of our popular culture that kind of tickles my fancy and I hope will will tickle yours. As I was saying in the last segment, I I broke down a couple weeks ago and I got Netflix. And I understand everybody else has had Netflix forever. I I got Netflix. And now I I admit I'm I'm kind of addicted to this. I go, oh, there's all sorts of cool stuff that's on there. I grew up, okay, I am a child of the television generation. All right, so I, I grew up watching TV. I freely admit I'm addicted to DTV and, and as addictions go, I don't know that that's necessarily that bad a thing. One of the things that has changed over the years is it used to be you had, you had your three TV networks. You had ABC, NBC, and CBS. And then maybe you had the, you know, the the local UHF channels or things like that. One of the things that has happened over the last 10 to 20 years is you've had the explosion of choices when it comes to TV. And now it's not just broadcast TV, the -the over-the-air stuff. It's not just cable TV. It's not just pay cable TV. But it, but it's also all the the different streaming services that are out there. So the Emmy Awards, which are the awards for excellence in TV, they they come out this week. Um, best comedy. Get this um, one of the comedies. One of the comedies, Atlanta, is on FX, which is uh, basic cable. Two, three of them: Barry, Curb Your Enthusiasm, and Silicon Valley are on HBO. Again, pay cable. Then you've got. The unsinkable, unbreakable Carrie Schmidt. Haven't seen that one. And Glow, which I have seen. They're on Netflix. And then you've got, uh, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel on Amazon, a streaming thing, and Blackish on ABC. Of the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, of the eight nominees for best comedy, only one, only one is on, um, regular over the air broadcast. Best drama. It's the same sort of thing. There's one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four. There's seven up for best drama. One, This Is Us, which is actually a good show on NBC. It, it, it's it's a good show. That's the only over-the-air one. HBO has Westworld and the Game of Thrones. Hulu has The Handmaid's Tale, Stranger Things, and The Crown on Netflix, and The Americans on FX, which is, again, the, the basic cable thing. That that's That's where it is. The future of TV, it, it's not the broadcast shows anymore. It's at least the ones that are broadcast over the air. But at the same time... We're kind of in a golden age of television. There is so much good stuff that's out there. You're finding a lot of people that used to do movies. Now they're doing TV. There's a lot of great stuff out there. And I admit there's almost so much good stuff out there that I just don't even know where to start. It's like, all right, you've heard stuff about this. If you're going to commit to watching this particular show, there's only so much time that people – have, unless you're just going to completely hunker down in front of a television. But what I thought we would do for Pop Culture Corner this week, in honor of the Emmys coming out, and the Emmys recognize the best show in a particular category, um, for the particular year, I thought we'd broaden it. All right. If you are like me, you, you, you are probably, you grew up watching television. Here's my question. Pop Culture Corner this week, what's the best TV show ever? What is your favorite television show and why? It can be a comedy. It can be a drama. It can be a variety show. It can be a documentary show. You get to choose. But it's that one show that you just absolutely loved or that you love. Could certainly still be on the air. The best TV show ever. That one that you think of and say, man, I really like that. I built I built my Thursday nights around that. I looked forward to binging on that show. The best TV show ever, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Again, as I always advise people in these segments, call quickly because our phone lines tend to jam up. want to get to as many calls as I possibly can and go with your first instinct. Sometimes people tend to overthink this. Best TV show ever in honor of this week's Emmys, 414-799-1620. We're back with your calls in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. 240 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 242, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, let's see where we go. Start off our text line. The Office is the best show I've ever seen. Seinfeld was a fantastic semi-modern comedy pioneer, but The Office was the most complete comedy ever made. Here's another text. Jeff, Hill Street Blues, best of all time, best writing, that's directing, best directing, best actor. I admit I loved Hill Street Blues. Hill Street Blues is one of my all-time favorites as well. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Bill in Oshkosh. Hi, Bill. Hi, Jeff. How you doing? Good. Best TV show of all time? MASH. Okay. Early MASH, mid-MASH, late MASH, or all MASH?
3: Uh, Basically all of them. Because okay. Because I was stationed over in South Korea, and I can relate to places that they were talking about.
0: Okay. All right. So, were, were you there? No, you weren't there during during the conflict. You were there later on.
3: Yeah, I was there just after. Well, just before the North Koreans captured the USS Pueblo. Okay. Years ago.
0: Right. Got it. No, thank. I mean, of course, you know the interesting thing about MASH was it, it the movie, and then later the TV series. It was a commentary on the Vietnam War, but they they set it, of course, in Korea. And so they were able to use some of the parallels that were there. I I think Alan Alda was great. That Hawkeye Pierce might be one of the greatest characters, TV characters of all time. And that was, you can't, you know, it's one of those things where you talk about getting typecast. Alan Alda's done other stuff. But you look at Alan Alda over the years and you see him in other things and you still see Hawkeye Pierce. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Jeremy in Michigan. Jeremy, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, how are you today? Real well, thank you, sir. Best TV show of all time. Seinfeld. Yeah. You know, you know, it's I got to tell you, I when Seinfeld was first on, I liked it. I didn't necessarily think it was going to hold up. And I was wrong. I, you can watch those shows today. And they're just as funny as they were when they were made 20 years ago.
2: Well, they are it's even still part of pop culture when you find yourself in an odd situation. People look around each other and say, Boy, this is a Seinfeld moment. Right. Right you, now, yeah, you
0: know? yeah, yada, you say yada, yada, yada. Everybody knows. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, no, I, I I admit, I acknowledge, I was, I didn't appreciate the longevity that that show was going to have. And I, I, mean, I kept thinking, okay, this is going to be a time capsule. See, a lot of shows are. I mean, they're, they're kind of, I'll give it Sex in the City. Sex and the City is a time capsule. I don't think that show ages very well. Um but but it, it was a time capsule uh, and I and it was a good time capsule. Um but but Seinfeld I, I think uh does. 4147991620. Okay, here's a text. Best TV show The Wire on HBO. Gritty realistic drama set in Baltimore. Drug dealers, cops, politicians. Awesome depth in characters and talent. The Wire ran 5 seasons. The, the first season and this is from somebody who used to do wiretaps I mean that's I did a lot of wiretaps back in the day um the first season I thought was incredibly authentic it captured it it, it was great I liked the second season um I, I thought a couple of the ones after that were sort of hit and miss but but the wire definitely a good show well worth binging on 4147991620 the best tv show ever Ryan in Racine Ryan you're on WTMJ hello survivor Really? Tell me why.
8: It's just so fun to watch. Uh Uh-huh. It's different every week.
0: Have you been watching it since the beginning? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I I can remember that when the the first season came out, what was the guy Richard Hatch that was the guy that won the thing. I, I can remember just how that revolutionized TV. I mean, it started the whole genre of the 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 reality quote unquote reality shows. And I, I mean, just I mean, I can remember how that just became much must watch television. Everybody wanted to see who was going to win and who was going to get voted mm-hmm. off the island. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for calling. I mean, I think the thing I the thing I. I I will give Survivor credit. Um, it, it's longevity. I mean, two, you know, two runs a year for, you know, however many years it's been going on. I mean, it's, it has staying power and, and you have to give it credit. Something else that has staying power, gotta give some credit to, um, the Simpsons. I mean, who would have thought that when the Simpsons first came out, that silly little cartoon would still be, you know, a, a ratings sort of semi powerhouse. And, and it is Julie in Wauwatosa. Julie, you're on WTMJ. Hello.
6: Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. Um, one of my favorites is Sopranos. Oh. Tony Sopranos, classic.
0: James Gandolfini. The qu- oh. I mean, he he owned that role.
6: Oh, no kidding.
0: Yeah. Did you, were you a fan from the beginning of it, or did you kind of come in midway through or late? Because that was a, that um, was one of
5: midway through, midway mm-hmm. through. My mom and dad got me hooked on it.
0: Yeah.
5: And coming from an Italian family, I mean, <laughs> some of those things with Uncle Tony and... His dad and the uncles is just, and his mom, just classic.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was. You know, I, I loved it. My beef with The Sopranos, Julie, was a beef I have with some TV shows. I think it went on a little too long. I, yeah. I think towards yeah. the end they started kind of... Repeating storylines and all. And, and, and that, that's, that's the problem I have with some TV shows. There, there's really only so many stories they can tell. And then because it's successful, they keep dragging it on. But especially those first few years of the Sopranos, I loved it. Hey, did you, were you one, did you like the ending or did you hate the ending? toward okay. it, I was sad to see them, but I was, you know, it, it just ended like it did. So got it. Okay, thanks for the call 414-799-1620. Yeah, I mean the, the Sopranos. You go back to what we were talking about a minute ago, Hill Street Blues. Like one of the texters said, if there wasn't a Hill Street, if there, if it were not for Hill Street Blues. There would not have been um, um, an NYPD Blue. There wouldn't have been a Sopranos. I mean, that that's how groundbreaking that show was. Um, in that same category, Hill Street Blues, also St. Elsewhere. St. Elsewhere was one of my very favorite TV shows as well. It wasn't for everybody. It was kind of odd, but um, I, I love that. That was much-watched TV for me. Let's talk to David in Fond du Lac. David, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Your favorite uh, TV show of all time? All uh, Little Family. Oh, you want to talk about groundbreaking. That was like nothing that had ever been on TV. It would debut in the early 70s. Norman Lear and uh, Carol O'Connor. You want to talk about a guy who really inhabited a role like Alan Alda. Carol O'Connor was Archie Bunker.
3: They covered all topics and every controversial topic you can think of. And I love watching the repeats now. And you kind of of explain to people what they're talking about and what the (laughs) situation is.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was – no, thanks for the call. That was um, – okay, All in the Family ran on CBS, and it, it was – I mean, maybe by today's standards, you, you if you watch it, you kind of go, oh, this is kind of conventional sort of stuff. It was groundbreaking because before All in the Family, CBS was – the Beverly Hillbillies and Green Acres and and shows like that. And then all of a sudden you have this thing that's all about the topical humor and, you know, it's ripping things out of like current events and they're doing storylines that are controversial. It was like nothing anybody had seen in a long time. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Tom in Algoma. Tom, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello. Best TV show of all time. The David Letterman show um okay the 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 one on cbs or the one he did on nbc before that
2: both really but uh the nbc one kind of captured the
3: old uh saturday night live spirit with the original not ready for prime time players he really kind of picked up where they left off and ran with it right and kept it going for thirty thirty three 33 years you know he did a great job
0: I yeah no thanks thanks for yeah i i um I preferred Letterman to Leno at least most of the time. I, I think it, it was another sort of thing. I, I think I think David Letterman kind of started running out of steam. I think Jay Leno started running out of steam. And, and but I mean he was he was groundbreaking too. And what people forget is he was a really successful comic before he went on to do that that late night show. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Steve in Maguana, go. Steve, you're on WTMJ. I have the same children. Married with children. <laughs> okay, okay. Tell me why. Uh, they
3: just had more goofy stuff in than in their their earlier
0: years. I I think it's a show that went on a little too long. Yeah, it still had some uh, some classic Fundyisms, you know. I, you know, Steve. I, I thanks you. I, I I I was hesitant to take your call because I didn't know that I necessarily wanted to admit this on the radio, but I. I loved married with children and I will watch it every now and then, you know, it'll be on TBS or whatever. They've got it on. And I still, a lot of it is just dumb. Okay. A lot of, a lot of it is just dumb, but there every once in a while, they will do something like the uh, the Ed O'Neill character, Al Bundy. He'll do something that just, for whatever reason, it just tickles my fancy, and I just I find myself laughing out loud at the television set. And and generally speaking, it's just so incredibly dumb, but uh, very very creative. And I'm I'm a big fan of um, Ed O'Neill. I've been that way for a long time. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Okay, Hazel in Brookfield. Hi, Hazel.
4: Hi. I think the Lawrence Welk is. Was fantastic, and it's still on channel Um,
0: ten. They're they're showing reruns, right? Yeah, they (laughs)
4: are. And my parents watch it. My husband and I watch it all the time.
0: So, I well, thanks for the call. That's I, I. My grandma used to love Lawrence Welk. Yeah, my grandma just like used to just used to love Lawrence Welk as well. Darlene in Franklin, Darlene, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello.
3: Yes, my favorite show is Friends.
6: I can watch the reruns. (laughs) And still laugh,
0: right? Okay, Darlene, this is this is a true story. My wife and most of her close friends—they are all addicted to Friends. They—they—they they, they continue to watch the reruns that are on. I can't tell you how many nights I fall asleep to the to Friends on on whatever channel it's on at eleven thirty or twelve o'clock at night. I, I, I you know, and I, I was not a huge fan of Friends when it was on, but now that I've started watching it, because all the people I'm around watch it, it's it, it, it's 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 clever. I mean, I I, I have to admit, it's it's cute.
6: Yeah, and there's, there's not one
5: person that I would say is my favorite. Okay. Every time, every time there's a show, I go, oh,
2: yeah, I like
0: TV, you know? Yeah, I, well, I, I admit, thanks. I I kind of had a crush on Jennifer Aniston. I, I kind of admit that. I'll I'll be honest. Brian in Milwaukee. Brian, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Brian. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, let's try, uh lost Brian. Let's try Brad in Kenosha. Brad, hello. Hi. Hi, Brad. Best TV show of all time. Uh-huh. 24, okay, I'm sorry, your cell phone was cutting out there. Yeah, Kiefer Sullivan, I remember, you talk about groundbreaking TV, I remember when 24 first came out, and, and of course, that the, the first few seasons, they got away from this concept later on, but each hour was like, the, the thing was a day, and so like each hour was like one hour there. It was it, it was a very cool concept. I I I kind of sort of like lost in some of these other things. I never quite got into that, but always a lot of fun. Um, Like I say, for me, Saint Elsewhere, the Sopranos, um certainly Hill Street Blues and, and so many more. Just great T V out there and I tell you we're in a we're in a golden age of television now. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna find out what John and Melissa and Scott Warris have on their minds for Wisconsin's afternoon news. Stick around, it's two hundred fifty four, Jeff Wagner.